Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 396 of the JV Club with my wonderful guest, Libby Ward. Libby is a writer, actor, uh, author, I guess that's kind of the same as writer, but for some reason I'm separating them into different categories. Uh, She's terrific, and we talk about her new children's book slash book for everyone, Luchadora Mice, um, and a lot of other stuff. Um, if you watched Fortune Rookie, you know what a massive fan I am of Kara Morgan, and Libby kind of falls into that category for me, like just this incredibly, insanely smart, insanely talented um lady that I want to work on stuff with. So now I have this fantasy of the three of us creating some weird new thing with illustrations and different languages and puppets and stop motion. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I hope everyone is holding up okay. I am recording this before November 2nd. I don't know what the following Thursday will hold for us. I am hoping very much for the best for what I believe is the best for our nation. I'm sure you are as well. Um, so take care of yourselves. Be well. Be safe. I also just want to give a quick shout out to Blanca for her adorable and wonderful email to me. And then final announcement, uh, I'm finally going to be able to get start, started uh, scheduling the MASH sessions. So if you joined Max Fun this year uh, at that $20 level supporting the JV Club, give me a shout uh, via email. You can email me at Janet at Janet varney.com and uh, I'm slowly but surely going to start getting those going they're going to be kind of a lot so it will probably get stretched out over some time but I cannot wait and I again send everybody just my very best All right, let's dig into this love of leaf blowing we both share. I mean, this is <laughs> something to be celebrated. It's our leaf blowers. Yeah. This is going to be the most um, inane question, but I'm from Arizona and I never in my life encountered a leaf blower in Arizona. And then I lived in San Francisco, right in the heart of the city, also no leaf blowers. So my this like the sum total of my experience with leaf blowers has been my many years in Los Angeles. Are they a thing everywhere? Like, does, is that, I guess, are they everywhere? And I just somehow didn't know that. I definitely feel like they have unequaled enthusiasm in Los Angeles, along with these weird slatted vertical plastic blinds, which I'm also (laughs) looking at, which I don't really see other places. Uh But it's funny you brought up Arizona because I was just, there in Tucson uh, last week. Most of my family's from Tucson. Wait, and I didn't know was, this at all. Yeah, and someone was leaf blowing, and I was like, there aren't even leaves here. It's the <laughs> desert. <laughs> Go away. Um, and then I personally grew up in Seattle, and usually there aren't leaf blowers there, but when there are, it's also extra stupid because all the leaves are wet, and they're like stuck to the ground, oh, yeah, those and all you're really anywhere. doing is drying them onto the sidewalk. <laughs> it's real dumb. That's what a dry bar is in Seattle. You just bring in wet leaves and they they, they blow dry <laughs> yeah. your leaves for you and then you can and leave them. And then they them. blow dry your leaves. <laughs> That's yeah, right. exactly. That's right. 
Wait, that's so it's crazy so that your family's from Tucson. What? How? And I, but you're not. So how did that come about? Well, I yeah, I didn't grow up in Tucson. So, um, and and uh, in a bittersweet way, because I don't want to totally be a downer. But my uh, my grandmother just passed away, and I'm in sorry. writing her eulogy, I was sort of like reminded of the family, like westward journey hmm. and uh so my my grandparents and the older generations mostly grew up on the east coast and my mom and her siblings were actually born on the east coast and then my grandpa who worked for american airlines they cut the uh, hours significantly for the airline employees in washington dc and so they basically just told him he works in tucson now oh boy yeah. and so he he packed everybody up and moved everybody to tucson and uh, my dad and his siblings uh, were born in Seattle. And, and this is a whole other crazy story that um, you can listen to my other podcast about my grandma wanted by the FBI. Oh, my goodness. When, uh, I'll give you the short version. Um, when my dad's parents got divorced, my grandpa got custody. And so my grandma kidnapped the kids and ran to Mexico. Oh my goodness! And then they—I don't know. I'm saying, oh my goodness! I don't say, oh my goodness! I say, oh my god! Somehow I like uh, somehow I've tripped into this place where I say, oh my goodness, about this story in in particular. I don't know why. Okay, so oh my goodness, you're goodness goodness inducing story. I guess so. So, so they ran all over North America, basically evading the FBI, and landed in Tucson. And then as a result, both my families happened to have then like, that's where my parents met. Everybody stayed there. My grandparents stayed there. All my aunts and uncles stayed there. All my many, many cousins stayed there. Um, and then my dad eventually moved us back up to Seattle um, where his you know childhood roots were. So I happened to grow up in Seattle, but spending loads of time in Tucson. And that was a very involved story. And now you know everything. Oh, I could ask so many questions that spiral right out, um, like just beautiful tendrils from each and everything you just said. I definitely don't want to discourage people from listening to my grandma wanted by the FBI, however. Um, so I don't I don't want to make you over tell that. But oh, my goodness. <laughs> I couldn't get through that without laughing. Uh, oh yeah, my god! Well, and, wow! And the, that ugh. that project's a whole other whole other can of worms. Uh, it just you know not just in the project itself, but in that um, I started reading it on the podcast because my grandma Anne wrote a book about it, but she wrote it on a word processor, oh. and I'm trying to to edit her book, which is why I'm sort of reading it as well in oh. real time because the format is absolute garbage, oh, but the no. story's really interesting yeah. so i'm trying to wade through it to to make it clear so that it's um exciting for everyone to read and not everyone has to look at 12 blank pages and some weird punctuation and wow wow and so this is your grandma who just passed oh wait no this this, this grandma grandma and my dad's mom is uh is still alive and probably gotcha. will be be doing some more interviews with her she she calls me all the time to ask if her book is finished and this is the other thing because I love her very much and I've been asking her to hand me this book for like a decade so I could work on it yeah and then she gave it to me like a year ago and and now she's hurt she's like well I hope I don't die before the book is done I'm like well try to stay alive 
and I'm and I'm working on it, Grandma, and I'm interested in it, but it's oh, hard. Oh my God. Okay, so it, no, no, I'm sorry, but now I'm a- I have to ask questions. So you can just like you could sort of plead the fifth, and the fifth can stand in for just listen to the other podcast for anything that you feel like you just don't want to wade into. Um, but I'm going to test the waters to see how much you would be willing to talk about. Like I, it's very hard for me not to ask why he was awarded custody in the first place. First of all, my dad being the my primary care- caregiver when my parents divorced. I'm not saying like, why would a man receive custody? But is there more to that than meets the eye in terms of is the same reason why he would be granted custody uh, coming from the same place that is why your grandmother would be the type of person to steal the children and run off to Mexico? Uh, yeah, it actually is. And uh, as we've already discovered in the last seven minutes, I'm great at tangents. So, I love it. Too. All I do is tangents. That's all I do. Hooray! I know how to do. Tan- tangents all day. <laughs> so the uh, the gist of what had happened was that, uh, and he was a, an excellent grandfather. And this is another thing that makes this sort of like wrestling with this family history interesting. He was an excellent grandfather, but apparently, uh, and of course, my grand it's my grandma's version of the story. So right. she's the hero of the story, and she gets to tell it how she thinks it went. Uh, But he was a a very stereotypical um, 50s, at best removed, at worst abusive husband Mm -hmm. and father. And uh, my grandmother also came from a history of abuse. Her mother actually was abusive toward her. And she's an incredibly independent woman in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s and did not uh, deal very well with that, you know, with being a, a subservient type wife and uh he basically after the fourth child insisted that she have a hysterectomy and kind of forced a hysterectomy upon her which didn't do good things for her psyche either Mm. and he wanted the custody of the kids and he was making all the money and he had expensive lawyers and she was feeling unwell for a variety of reasons, largely having to do with a sudden hysterectomy in her 20s. And so that's why he got custody and uh, and her being a strong, independent woman and deeply devoted to her children is the reason why she, you know, she had them for like two weeks in the summer and then took them for seven extra years. Well, what did he think was going to happen? Because from what, and I, I, I recognize and applaud that he was a great grandfather. So obviously he's still in your life um, for, for you as a, as a grandkid. But what did he think was going to, because what you're describing doesn't sound like the type of person who would necessarily be like, I'm ready to be a single dad of four. Like, did he think that eventually he would get remarried and there would be a, a, a different woman to take well, care of the kids or? Yeah, there was already another one. I see, and, I see, I see, uh, I see who has my whole life been my step-grandmother, who's also very lovely. Gotcha. And, you know, me me coming into all of this, and I'm the oldest of the grandchildren, but me coming into all of this sort of after everyone had worked their crap out, mm-hmm. not necessarily with each other, like they're not all best friends or anything, but right. they're, they've sort of sorted out their their anger issues and dropped charges and everybody is uh mostly calm and collected and doing their own thing in their own space and so all of the grandkids got to be connected to all of our grandparents and step-grandparents which i'm grateful for 
but delving into all of the things that happened before I was born is incredibly melodramatic and sordid. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. The Beef and Dairy Network is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast here on Maximum Fun, and I would recommend you listen to it. But don't just take it from me. What do the listeners have to say? Would I recommend Beef and Dairy Network podcast? Um, no, I don't think I would. Right, let me be very clear about this. Under no circumstances would I recommend this to anyone I've ever met. No, absolutely not. No, I couldn't. I feel quite sick thinking about the things I've heard. Please stop calling me. Please leave me alone. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, available at MaximumFun.org and at all good and some bad podcast platforms. Literally, just leave me alone. So and so, was it in Tucson that this that things sort of came? I mean, obviously, I guess if that's where everyone ended up, that's also ostensibly where perhaps the they were tracked down to, or was that? Some yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. It's kind of where things came to a head, where they ended up getting caught. So, uh, yeah. So as a result, um, hey, back to your original <laughs> question. It's a great that story. Is, I can't wait to hear. I can't of... wait to hear more on your pot. That's. I mean, that's. Yeah. And where in Arizona are you from? Uh, Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> which, which which side of town? I'm so bad at navigating Tucson. Are you really? Well, it's pretty. I guess it's pretty grid like, but maybe it's it a is. different kind of grid like than. Um, I, you know, the key is like really, really knowing the different mountain ranges because it really is like you can. It's in such a little bowl, a taco shell of a city, um, that it that it you know as long as you're like that. That was really my navigation system. Was like where are the Catalinas? Um, uh, and then sort of from there you can, but like also the mountains kind of look like each other. So if you don't know which is the Catalinas and which are all the other mountain ranges, that's not helpful at all. Um, I grew up mostly in the sort of central part of Tucson. Um, and then my mom was more like kind of Northeast, but not particularly like she was like three and a half miles further Northeast, you know, if you're headed in the direction of like. Saguaro National Monument, monument, for example. Um, where, how, where's your family? Oh, so and this is why my navigation is sort of uh, so bad because they, I have how many six, six aunts and uncles, and like ten cousins who live in Tucson, kind of all over. And but I mostly split time between my my two sets of grandparents, my mom's parents and my dad's parents. My dad's mother the one who was wanted by the fbi lives right on the edge of saguaro national park and near old tucson sure and my oh that okay so that's sorry when i i think i should i meant sabino canyon i apologize i didn't mean saguaro i meant sabino see now now i'm doing it um yeah because that old i was like wait old tucson and where i'm thinking of are the opposite side of tucson and then i realized that i was completely misspeaking yes know it well uh yes well, and then on the Sabino Canyon side is where my mom's parents lived. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, so and but it wasn't I think part of the reason I'm such a particularly bad navigator is because it wasn't until maybe like four years ago that I personally ever mm. drove in Tucson. Yeah, yeah. Be- because I was always with family and even my my 
mom's mom and my dad's mom were nice enough to be like, hey, did you see your other grandma? Did you see your other grandma? And they would drive to, I feel, I want to say it was the Tucson Mall. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they dri- They basically would drive to a mall that was like in between yes. both of them and then like trade me off. Oh my gosh. I know this so well because my best friend when I was very, very, very little lived um on the opposite side, like live near Flowing Wells High School, which is like just nor- kind of north of of old Tucson, sort of. Um, and this, my our parents would do the same thing. We would meet at a mall, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or yeah, like a Burger so King funny. parking lot, and then one one pass. You know, they'd be like, "Okay, give me your daughter. We'll take her right. back to our you, house, you, and vice versa." You take this child, yeah. Or in my case, you you take this adult child who just <laughs> doesn't doesn't drive here. And also, my grandpa would never let me borrow the car. I mean, I was like well into my 30s before like randomly he pulled over one day and was like, your turn. And I was like, oh, what? And then he just like wanted me to prove that I was a capable driver before he would offer me the car. It's so true, though. I mean, if you are, especially with family, I think like the the dynamic of family driving you around, it's sort of it like somehow tamps down even more a sense of navigational capability in the way that like if it's you and your friend maybe you're paying attention in a different way I don't know there's just something I, I couldn't agree more there's something about being driven and, and just driving with family that like your brain sort of melts into whatever is happening inside the car and then all of a sudden you're there right sure plus I was almost always in the back seat anyway yeah. so it was just all it was just all cactus you're getting nothing for, you're getting you know, a lot of my... cactus a lot of tan a lot of tan sand colored buildings right um do also you have my oh go, no please go ahead oh it's just another tangent I was just gonna say my my mom's side of the family loves to give directions you know where they're like oh well, <laughs> so you go you go left out the driveway and then you go down oh I guess it's about two lights and then you're gonna hit Sabino Canyon Road you're gonna hang a right on Sabino Canyon and it'll just like oh yeah I guess I guess you're gonna pass that that uh that church over there you know yeah, like that this frozen room. yogurt place close anyway <laughs> you're gonna see it'll look like it's a closed frozen <laughs> yogurt place <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and but like and even though of course then I would just immediately go to like my google maps it's it's always like fun and interesting to continue to listen to this right. um mo- monologue of of Tucson directions do you uh what I was gonna say is do you have positive feelings about Tucson I hope you do um but some people don't I do have positive feelings about Tucson. I mean, I love my family. Uh, I enjoy going there to visit. I wouldn't live there. Same. Um, I hope you go there when the weather is not awful. I frequently, stupidly end up going there in like August. And it's usually just because I know I want to see my family. I'm very busy. I want to make time. When there's time available, I'm like, ah, there's time. I got to go. And then I'll hop on a a plane or a train or or rent a car or something and uh and get over there and just you know call everybody for my grandparents i mean they they've been retired for like 30 years so uh i'll just be like hey i'm i'm coming i'll be there in 36 hours wait and, uh, you you get on a train really like you've taken a train there i have That's i've tried cool. a wide variety of of ways of getting there because uh, as you probably know, and maybe you have some other secrets that I don't know about, there aren't a lot of good flights from Burbank to Ugh, Tucson. No, there aren't any direct ones that I know of. And I hate going to LAX. Oh, the worst. It's almost, almost as bad just going to LAX as it is driving all the uh, way to couldn't Tucson. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. 
So I've just tried all the things. Yes. I've, uh, I've taken the bus, which isn't too bad, but isn't, you know, but it's still a bus. It's a little longer than I want to be on the bus. Yeah. Like Vegas, Vegas is a fine bus ride. Tucson's a little long. It's just a little um, too, every, getting to Tucson is just a little too long. It just, even in the car, like it's just about an hour or two longer than I want it to be. I want it to be just, you know, it, 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 it like a, like certain flights, like where I do great. And then the turn from like eight hours to 10 hours or whatever is v- like a violent shift of me being like, uh, nope, I'm done. No, oh, no, yeah. no, no. I want to be out of the car now. Like it's very, <laughs> it's very For sure. Dramatic. And if you, especially if you do it by yourself this last time uh i actually did the drive with my boyfriend which i was so grateful for and it didn't seem nearly as bad because we stopped we just drove to palm springs stayed mm-hmm. overnight had dinner with a friend then finished the drive Yeah, because you cut back, out that last two hours that's what i'm saying yeah exactly. that's exactly right you trim that off and you're good yeah and then some of my cousins have recently moved to phoenix so on the way back we stopped in phoenix and yep. we cut off those two hours and yeah. then we finished the drive but also having someone else in the car is a, a world of difference. It's Doing definitely it alone a world is, of difference. I love being alone, but if I have to drive for more than five hours alone, then I, you know, start to like, yeah. it's like when you get out of the car and you're still moving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, the train, if you ever yeah. want to try it, it isn't, it's a nice train ride. The only real bummer about it is the train from LA to Tucson is during the day. If it were overnight, then it would be, I think, a lot nicer, yeah. nicer ride. Yeah. Because it's also a, like two hours too long. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you've taken the train. This is so great to have already somebody on the inside track, pun intended, to tell <laughs> me that that's even an option. That's not even something that I had really thought about. This is maybe the most self-indulgent conversation I've ever had on the podcast, getting deep into getting from Los Angeles to Tucson, possibly not meaningful for most people, but I want to say I really appreciate it. Well, it's so nice just to have another conversation with a new friend because nobody gets to meet new friends right now. That's right. That's also very true. Well, that's I mean, that I guess brings me to you. If you were just there, um, how is how is everybody being? My mom is still in Tucson. She um, but I my parents were a little older when they had me. And so I, in fact, had lost all of my grandparents, but one by the time I was in my 30s. so I'm envious that you that you've had uh, your grandparents as long as you have. But uh, and I and I'm sorry to hear about your 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 one grandma. Um, what were people? What was the vibe in Tucson? Are people kind of being responsible? Does it feel safe? How's everybody it's, doing? Yeah, it's it seemed like people were mostly being responsible. Again, I was mostly hanging out with family. We didn't go out too much. I mean, there my boyfriend hardly ever goes to Tucson with me, and so it was kind of a bummer that. This time when he was with me, I normally I would have been like, let's go to old Tucson and watch a Wild sure. West shootout or let's go to the Desert Museum and play with some scary spiders or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Lot, lots of like touristy kinds of things that I remember fondly doing with my family when I was really little. Mm-hmm. But in the last like 10 years when I've mostly been making those trips by myself, I don't even though like I'm nostalgic for those things. I, it's not as fun to just go by myself. For sure. Um I did take Ben to watch the bats from uh, when they when they escape at dusk from uh, what is that wash? It's the uh, is it like their little the Rito or is it the yeah 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 
it's the yes yeah, the Rito River Bridge. Um, he was not nearly as excited as I was just to show him. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, that's a but real that's still- a classic kind of I'm bringing you to my hometown relationship thing, isn't it? Though, like it's so it it feel it's such a rush. I think when you love someone and you want to give them access to a different way of experiencing like your nostalgia or your memories by the actual literal thing um it feels like such a close like a closing of a circle if it's someone you really love um you know but for the person for the other person it's like the even the best of us we get we want to get as close as we can to sinking into that same feeling but like it's impossible like you're never gonna he's never gonna be able to match the feet, the rush you're getting from being like, see, (laughs) you know, but there's bats, but like this doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen everywhere. It doesn't even happen all year long. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, Uh, yeah. yeah. And we, we did make it to golf and stuff. Oh, Um, sure. He beat me by four strokes. Oh, golf and stuff. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. This is great because I haven't been to Tucson, um, in quite some time. Uh, so now I'm sort of living vicariously through, uh, all of these various bits and bobs even the mention of the things that you didn't do is like sad it's definitely scratching an itch um, oh yeah what, and got, what a hugely different environment than than Seattle which is a, a, another city that I do that I do love um d- <laughs> would you be going from like I mean there must have been times where you'd be like I am leaving uh a rain, a full-on rainstorm, a chilly rainstorm in Seattle to go to Tucson, and it's dry as a bone and like hot. That's a real. Well, I mean, shift. as you know, like maybe half is exaggerating, but a huge population of Tucson and Palm Springs and like all these deserty places do exactly that. You know, um, several of my aunts and uncles do that. Um, now, now that they're a little older, they're like, you know what? I don't really. And Seattle doesn't actually rain nearly as much as I'm sure you know. We don't yeah. really want people to know that because we secret. don't want them to move there. Exactly. But, um, but the you know the winters are very wet and chilly. But like they're not even that cold by contrast to you know like the Midwest. Yeah, um, yeah. Or or the Northeast. But um, yeah, I I guess I've spent so much time in such a diverse. Uh, range of places that as long as I can just remember to throw the right clothes in my suitcase I'm pretty happy most most anywhere and I mean Seattle and Tucson both you know incredibly diverse you're right but so beautiful both of them I mean just like insane ecology and beautiful landscape and um you know, there's still a lot of fun city things to do, especially Tucson, a lot of fun city things to do that I didn't even know existed because I never went downtown for a drink with my grandparents. Yeah. But but lately, and I have one of my uh, L.A. friends, um, James Jeffries, who moved back from L.A. to his hometown of Tucson. So I hit him up and we go down by the college and have a drink somewhere. And I'm like, oh, look at all this. Look at all this happening city stuff. Look for at sure. all this art. Yeah, so it's nice to explore. And actually, um, you got your copy of my book, right? I did. I did. It's so Hooray! wonderful. So you'll probably spot uh, of of my book Luchador Mice, uh, which is the reason why you are hosting me on this this lovely podcast. Correct. I guess mentioning the name of the book would probably. Oh be yeah, helpful. we're getting we'll we'll get into it. I usually get into that stuff a little bit closer to the end. I didn't want you to feel like I was ignoring the purpose. Um, oh uh, no worries. But, yeah. I, I, but, no, please. I certainly yeah. wasn't. But since since we're talking Tucson, please. Um, 
the uh, the landscape of Tucson actually really inspired the Sonoran deserty-ness of the book. It's It doesn't technically take place in Tucson, but it's definitely heavily inspired, and you might actually spot um, at, at least one. You might actually spot at least one Tucson landmark in there. I miss, I absolutely miss that, uh, uh, and, and I... And it's funny because I feel like I said, I'm sure you'll understand this, that my surprise at you being so familiar with Tucson, um, that even with the book, I'm so accustomed to so many things being set in kind of a Sonoran desert type environment that uh, like are that are like oh it here we are in texas with all the saguaros that i just don't even register <laughs> anymore oh, any yeah that's you true. know what i mean it's like how many fanny packs could i look at that have a saguaro on them i'm like this is a kind of a small area of the world that has these cacti but you would never think that with the abundance of you know that particular style of desert that you see represented like ubiquitously Oh, for sure. That's and that's the the Tucson splaining that I do to a lot of people. <laughs> I go, well, actually, yeah. the saguaro are only native to the Sonoran Desert, yeah. which only encompasses like this very small part of the the it's southeast. Ingra- it gets southwest, early. Yeah, it gets ingrained yeah. early. Um, well, let me. I, I want to circle back to the book. I want to just quickly honor uh, a little bit more the actual theme of my podcast, which I have completely and utterly ignored for the most part, which is high school years, uh, because I was so jazzed about um, this Tucson conversation. But look, part of what we've talked about encompasses your teenage years and you you're, you going to Tucson to visit people from Seattle. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit about what your high school uh, it was like in Seattle. Was it, you know, diverse? Was it big? Um, was it good? Was it private? Was it public? Uh, what was that experience like for you? Uh, I went to Decatur High School, which is in Federal Way, Washington, which is a suburb that's south of Seattle. And I, it's it's funny that um, it's funny that this is coming up because I constantly have this sort of discussion with my boyfriend who I feel like went to a really John Hughesy mm. stereotypical style high school in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. My because I don't relate to the majority of those sorts of like coming of age John Hughes. Like I enjoy them. Yeah. But I but I don't see myself or my high school represented in those types of films. Like even like Book Smart. I was like, oh that's a really fun film, but uh didn't didn't really find it uh, relatable to my experience. Yeah, uh, my high school was about uh, twelve hundred people. My class, my graduating class, was four hundred and twenty nine, and I'm just—I mean, always have been and still am—just like a huge nerd, hugely curious, down to do as many things as I can uh, fit in a day. I was almost going to say responsibly, but no, irresponsibly <laughs> fit into a day. So you know, in that fashion, I was like in all AP classes and as a result most of my classes were the same like 12 or 15 people sure at very very small classes which uh was delightful with the same people pretty much all uh three years because in in Seattle it's um 10 11 12 Mm -hmm. is high school and and junior high is 7 8 9 yeah. So, uh, and then I just got involved in all the things. I'm a percussionist, so I was in all of the bands, um, jazz band, wind ensemble. I played percussion with our jazz choir. 
and then we didn't we had a pep band we didn't really march we did a few marching uh events but uh besides homecoming and and one or two parades we didn't officially have a marching band we had a pep band and i was um super down always to uh to play drum set on the side of the court for basketball season Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorites because i'm also a huge basketball fan and i was also a cheerleader but cheerleaders don't cheer during halftime or um during football halftime or basketball uh halftime break um so i would like run in my cheerleading uniform to go play with the band which was really fun oh my gosh that's great Everything and that you just I, described, by the way, sounds to me still more John Hughesian than anything I experienced in high school. Oh, really? Having never really? attended even one sporting event, I'm like, wait a minute, the cheerleader to band and back to cheerleader again sounds like amazing. Oh, I went to all the things. Um, I because I also ran cross country and I was the wrestling manager, uh, but then I was also on science Olympiad, and just I mean, legitimately like. You sound every, like a Wes Anderson high school character. That's what like I'm every. <laughs> oh yeah, could be. Yeah, like every club that that would let me in, I was basically in. But I would definitely not say I was popular. But I was known. Like a lot of people knew who I was. But any anything that was related to like partying or drinking or uh, I don't know any of any of those like fun not directly sanctioned by the high school activities. <laughs> uh, I was not even aware of and nor were any of my really close friends. We were just just up to nerding out and, you know, doing high school related extracurriculars yeah. all day every day. Man, and and that and the fact that that was driven by curiosity and enthusiasm rather than like a sense of, you know, I got to check all of these boxes to get into a, a very specific college, uh, which it doesn't sound like it was that it was it was the the curiosity, right, is is yeah. kind of amazing. Um, I always joke that I was so unmotivated. Um, I was I mean, I'm a smart, fairly smart person. I was like I graduated second of my class and I could not have felt less like a great student. I mean, I loved the classes I loved and I sort of you know somehow managed uh to get through the other ones but i had no participation in anything extracurricular except dance and and theater um and i joke all the time on the podcast that like if i flip through old yearbooks i'm like oh that's cool oh so that we i we did have a chess club i've been telling people my whole life we didn't have one and i realize now (laughs) it's just that i didn't know about it nor did i know about 99 percent of the pages in this yearbook so um i think that's so cool to to sort of rise in the morning as a hormonal high school student and Uh, And I don't mean hormonal in like a horny sense. I just mean like there's a lot going on with your body and that, you know, like for me, I mean, like genuinely, like I would have such bad cramps that some days I just couldn't go to school and it wasn't like a cop out, you know, it was just like all that kind of stuff Um, to to, to sort of rise up and be like, okay, I got a packed agenda. Like I got all this stuff I'm into. Um, I think that's super cool. Yeah, it was just just so much energy and lots of ways to spend it. So I, you know, spent it all. And I think I was also really glad that our high school, like I mentioned that I wasn't popular, but like so far as I recall, in all three years, there were maybe like two fights that happened in my school. And I have no idea why they happened or, or even remembering who it was who fought. But 
pretty nearly everybody in my school was just cool with each other because a lot of people did that. You know, there were no like really like quote unquote nerds and there were no jocks and there were no, you know, like most of the cheerleaders were in the top 10 in our class. Hmm. Um, most of the the football players were excellent students. They, it just it didn't have that stereotypical movie high school feel to yeah. it. Everybody was just doing their thing and everybody was cool with each other, which I feel like is also a pretty Seattle attitude. And it's something I like a lot about Seattle is people get up to stuff. And and so far as my experience, there's very little like bullying or naysaying. If I don't like your thing, I just don't go to your thing. Yeah. I wonder what that is. I mean, I, I mean, I wonder why that's like what a what a fascinating and cool um feeling to get about a city itself like that's really that's really specific not to say that i yeah. ca- i kind of feel like tucson might be the same but um but i've never thought about it that way before um and i and i i that doesn't i mean it certainly doesn't surprise me from like the time that i've spent in seattle but uh but it but it is really specific and 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 was it it, it was there was it sort of and I, I'm by the way not in any way trying to like pick and prod towards like re- revealing something like I gotcha um but what was it was it kind of a like a like a class and ethnicity diverse uh high school with within all of that it's hard not to ask that um just to kind of you know put a to image to it and by the way John Hughes high schools are uh very undiverse so for what it's worth right yeah 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 that's true uh yeah i would say my high school is pretty diverse by nearly every metric really i mean seattle in general and federal way which is the suburb i feel like federal way may be coming less diverse now which is a little weird it kind of was it was sort of that area when i was growing up because it's kind of smack in the middle between tacoma and seattle that was a little less expensive but we definitely lived, you know, down the street from the fancy gated brick. You know, we lived in a we were like middle class a family, my my growing up family. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that we were ever, you know, destitute so far as I know. But I definitely ate a lot of bologna and craft singles when I was really little. <laughs> right. And uh, but there was no no real like concern for how are we going to eat or how are we going to pay the the mortgage um when i was in like junior high high school my parents had me when they were uh 20 and 21 so you know Mm. there was like young young parent making ends meet kind of um sacrifices and then you know and now that my parents don't have to pay for me now they go on vacations (laughs) and and spend spend money making gourmet meals yeah but so you're an only uh, child also uh, no, I actually have a younger brother. You do have a younger brother, okay. A younger brother who I just refuse to mention. No, he's great. Um, <laughs> You're making me look really stupid, Libby. Why are you not he, mentioning your brother? Now I sound like yeah. I'm not listening to you. Uh, he was a, he was a real pain in the ass when I was little, and, and we love each other a lot now that we don't live together. But, um, yeah, so I feel like that, that sort of um, figuring it out, making it work middle class was the predominant uh, sort of class... Uh, demographic Mm -hmm. I guess in my high school but there were definitely um, a lot of families that had less and a lot of families that had more and it was definitely ethnically diverse I remember um, one of my really close friends in high school Daniel Kim in fact I always just call him Dan Kim um, because we had a lot of Dans so we just sort of ran his name together 
he lived pretty near me in my neighborhood and his family's Korean. And even though we're all big fans of Korean food, his mom felt really self-conscious about the way Korean food smelled. Hmm. So she'd always burn toast before we came over. So then the house always smelled like burnt toast. And I and I don't know what her experience was before, because as far as any of us were concerned, none of, you know, we're all pretty mellow. None of us cared. We would be more than happy to eat any free food available. Right. Um, but I think it was just like a growing neighborhood that's now become uh, the, the city of Federal Way is now very large. And it's, you know, they cut down a lot of forests to build a lot of apartments mm. and a lot of gentrification happened and... Uh, it's a lot more commercial now. And frankly, my mom is a little mad at me because when I go visit, I don't care to stay with them in Federal Way. I have a house in Seattle proper yeah. um, that that looks like me and is full of my art and is next to my favorite, you know, bars and coffee shops. So even though it's only like a 25 minute drive, uh, I prefer my house and she prefers me not to oh, sure. prefer my house. Sure, sure. Understandable but, uh, on both counts. But yeah, I feel like the the suburb uh, of Federal Way during the '90s, when I was being a teenager there, um, was al- was also just very like very chill, and everybody was sort of building something in a kind of a new city that was emerging and was affordable. So it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty like diverse all around. I think. Yeah, that's great. Um, I will quickly say before I move on that it is, the, and I not saying anything new I'm sure but it is hard for me that something that sounds like it should just be one strip of like an avenue is now like a like a city (laughs) oh right it feels like it's like and I'm from Main Street City USA (laughs) yeah kind of does grew up on uh, yeah I oh I grew up in Cypress Boulevard um like that's in my mind that's that's what I picture I'm like wait but wasn't it just like sort of a one big like a street and then some streets that went off of it like it's a city holy smokes um and you know so far as i know i mean i'm sure there is and it might have been the reason why it became that but uh i don't even know if there is a federal way street maybe they were just like we're gonna do things the federal way here in this town (laughs) i don't know what that means but could have been i i never researched the uh the history of the name so now i have to find out unfortunately i have now put that in your lap and you're already a very busy person um so okay to the list i feel like which high school did you go to in tucson uh i went to rincon uhs so it was like the 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 smart college prep school but also but still public and then just like a sort of regular high school mushed into one campus is, okay, so R- Rincon High and Rincon UHS are the same campus. Yes, yeah, yeah. U- uh, UHS is University High School, so it's a separate, like separate oh, yearbooks, separate kind of everything except for not separate because then everyone just ate lunch together, and then you could also take classes from the other. Like I took all my French classes were through UHS, and it was a little confusing. But um, and I definitely had to buy both yearbooks, which was very hard for somebody who and didn't expensive. even know. Yeah, who for someone who didn't even know what what most of the things in the yearbook were. Um, uh, and so, how important to you 
with all this other stuff going on was like fashion or you know this is the kind of music I listen to um was that stuff expressing itself for you or were you more focused in on um just various and sundry activities and stuff that you were doing I am a huge fan of jazz and always have been and and that's sort of interesting because I didn't really I I still can't really figure out where I first heard it or or sort of like learned that enthusiasm you know a lot of people listen to like their parents music which I also enjoy which for me is like Air Supply and Fleetwood Mac and my parents are pretty crazy about uh rock set Uh um so so I listened to a lot of that um it was the 90s in Seattle, so I listened to a lot of grunge and alternative and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and that kind of thing. Um, I had a, a fair number of friends who were into rap. I actually had a lot of friends who would put together mixtapes for me. And then, of course, school dances were whatever was of the time. Sure. Uh, Boys to Men and All for One are pretty much everything I slow danced uh-huh. to. <laughs> um, but I didn't... Uh, you know, I didn't identify. I did. I definitely did wear basically my boyfriend's jeans and a T-shirt and a flannel shirt either around my waist or, you know, as an actual shirt if I was cold enough for like a good. That was probably my uniform for like a good six years. Oh, wow. If I if I wasn't specifically in like my band or right. cheerleading uh, or, you know, in a sports uniform. Yeah. Is that uh, all, all one boyfriend, all one flannel, like like one set? Or is that like each boyfriend that you had had the same style? No, I was with the same boyfriend for uh, four years from my freshman year of high school through my freshman year of college. Yeah. Dan Matthews. And we're still pals. Nice. It didn't didn't work out forever, but we had a great time. And uh, yeah, I'm not even sure if I owned my own jeans in high school. I pretty <laughs> much always wore his, and I mostly wore my dad's flannel shirts. I would pretty much steal my dad's flannel shirts. And I am a fan of fashion, and was a fan of fashion, but not in a like this is hip and and I have to wear this now kind of a way. Right. It's more this is something that. Uh, artistically speaks to me or expresses my personality and frankly I still have clothes in my closet from junior high and high school that I still wear on a regular basis pretty much until I've worn them out and they're no longer viable to cover me right right I do too yeah I definitely I I don't know like there, there definitely have been things that have stayed with me a long time and that is definitely one of the like slaps in the face and, and I it, not slap in the face in like a bad way um but like a, a like a startling moment of time slap when I realize how long I've had something like that I still cherish like it used to just feel like oh my gosh I've had this for years now it's like oh I've had this for decades who wow that's yeah. a real thing that's <laughs> happened you know I've definitely recently had to throw out some Muppet underwear that I bought from Hot Topic <laughs> in the 90s because uh, they're pretty awesome. But now there's way more holes in them than yeah. they're meant to have. And yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah. I, I mean, guess. I would say characteristically, most underwear isn't meant to have really any holes. Um, uh, well, just maybe one or two. Your legs. Yeah. You know. <laughs> important. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta get your oh, legs you do in that? there. Oh, you do that thing where you wear underwear through your legs? I don't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I gotta get into this MASH game. And uh, rest assured, again, we are gonna talk about your book. Um, 
I want. In fact, let's do that now. Uh, but did you ever play Mash Mansion Apartment? Yeah, Shack? yeah okay, of course, good. of course I did. In fact, I'm developing a magic effect around the Mash game, and I'm trying to perfect it. And I'll definitely uh, hit you up if you're interested when I'm when I'm beta I testing. I certainly it. hope you will, because while I have zero proprietary ownership of Mash in any way, shape, or form, you find that once you've been playing this game every week for eight years, you feel like. I'm glad that you're telling me now since I would need to be consulted about this thing that I have no ownership of at all, but feels like somehow very close to me now. It's a very important game. I don't know how else we're supposed to determine our futures. I I certainly don't know either. It's not like a magic eight ball has anything to offer other than a series (laughs) of disappointments. Um, right. Other than asking me to ask again, exactly. try again later. Don't whatever. Don't stall. Don't stall, eight ball. Um, please let's please talk about your 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 book and um, and its inception and where people can find it. Uh, yes. Let's talk about those things. Okay. So it's very easy to find. You can find it on Amazon. It's on Prime. It's also on luchadormice.com. And uh, because I'm I'm discussing with you i would love to tell your listeners if you go to luchadormice.com backslash neighbors with an s on the end then it's discounted so that you can get it directly from me for the same price as prime so i'll basically cover your tax and your shipping and uh if you want my name in it i would love to sign it for you um mine does have your name in it everyone and i can tell you it's very satisfying oh yes thank you i'm so happy uh, and so its inception was really, you, and actually, I was just listening to your episode with, hang on, I don't want to, I have her name in my mind's mm-hmm. eye, but I don't want to mess it up, mm-hmm, I uh, that. with Amelia McDonald Perry. Mm-hmm. And right at the top, you guys were talking about wonks, and you mentioned animation wonks, and I was like, me, it's me, it's me, I'm, I'm the animation wonk. <laughs> um so so animation uh, is is super important to me and and always has been, I think, because of the limitless nature of it. Yeah. And I just have this uh, instinctive feeling that everything on Earth has energy and that every person, critter, object has a destiny and has a story and those destinies deserve to be sought and the stories deserve to be told Mm. and you know it's part of the weird things about being uh, a creative and an artist is just you walk around all day giving voices to things whether or not whether or not I do it out loud which sometimes I do and people think I'm crazy and that's fine Uh, you know I talk talk to myself a lot but I'm not really so much talking to myself as talking to the spider that I have asked not to be in my house while I take it outside and tell it that it must stay same same stay in the yard yeah I I had a I just had that happen where I was (laughs) I was walking by the reservoir and I was having a conversation with a crow that was up on uh, a really high lamppost like having a like I was like was it you that was just making all that noise like what's up with that and then this cyclist came around a corner and it was one of those corners where like it was clear he had heard all all of it because of the sort of navigation like the whole way that, that that the neighborhood is set up and just looked at me like oh you like you're one of them <laughs> you're so, one of so, them so invested and so sincere in this conversation so my sister i feel you and i love it yeah we're both one of them we're both one of them 
Someday we'll run into one another in the neighborhood talking to animals. <laughs> exactly. If you'll excuse me for a moment, Yeah, very much so. So I was uh, actually on Hollywood Boulevard in um, Hollywood, like near the Iguana Clothing, Hollywood and Vine. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I'm always sort of thinking in, a, in an animated way specifically, and I had actually been asked to... Uh, develop some new things to pitch because as I'm sure you've noticed in the pitch process if you've gone through it uh, they're like oh yes we love everything you do but we already have all those things can you please come back with a thing that's not the four things you just gave us so I always sort of have this in the back of my mind as well and uh, inside the window of the iguana clothing were luchador masks and there was this little white mouse in the window as well. And so naturally, I started having a conversation with this mouse. being Like, I don't think that's a very safe place for you to be. Yeah. Uh, and you probably are going to want to find a new place to be in the morning. Because if someone catches you there, then you're going to be in grave danger. And then I noticed the masks. And I went, well, obviously, since you are a luchadora, um, <laughs> you, I clearly can see that you can fend for yourself because you obviously have wrestling moves, you know, immediately <laughs> right. at, at your disposal. And so after having this this conversation with this mouse, and actually I happened to be with my friend Max at the time, and Max was like, "She's gonna be fine. We gotta go. Like, let's. <laughs> she's she's gonna do fine. Let's go get a drink." Yeah. And uh, and so then I developed. I, I started sort of sketching her, and that became Tormenta in Great. in the book. And then as I was just building out this world, you know, immediately. Um, Tucson leapt to mind because I've spent so much time Tucson Nogales and uh, started writing the theme song. And when I wrote the theme song, it just poured out of me in in Spanglish. I'm also a Spanish speaker. It's not nearly as good as my English, but being from Tucson, my whole family is sort of Spanglish speaking. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of them speak more fluently than I do because they spend a lot of time with uh, colleagues who are only Spanish speaking. But it's just sort of something that comes naturally to me being, uh, you know, spending a lot of time in Tucson, spending a lot of time in Los Angeles. I mean, even Seattle, Spanish is such a widely spoken language that pretty nearly everyone I know, you know, throws in Spanish words, or if they're Spanish speakers, throw in English words, just because that's, you know, America, yeah, or North America. And so after I wrote the, the theme song, I had I had pitched it a few places. I had some options that uh, happened and then expired for for various corporate reasons. Yeah. And decided that, as with most projects, I hate to have it just sitting on my computer after I've built built all this beautiful world God, and no these fabulous characters. And so noticing how uh, Susi the the lyrics were, I decided that I would just turn it into a book. So I basically took out the chorus of the song and I made some very small adjustments, but uh, the the text of the book is basically the song. And then I had sort of sketched out what these characters might look like, but I actually do have an art background. It's not what I do uh, with most of my time or most of my professional creative activities are, are more uh, prose or music based, but... I decided to illustrate it myself, and I really wanted it illustrated in crayon, so I kind of took the the hard road and couldn't create a digital crayon that I especially liked, yeah. so I basically made myself three coloring books, a foreground, midground, and background. Oh my god, Libby. Wow. And colored it by hand, and then scanned it in, and... Um, 
And it turned out, and this is this is the thing, and this is the reason why I decided to do it all myself, because I love having someone else's budget, and I love having, you know, someone else's input, but I don't want to have to give up my vision for someone else. Yep. And so I decided to be the last word on every decision of this book, and it's the libbiest, the libbiest book it could possibly be. I got lots of good notes from lots of people I trust who understand my vision, and lots of good editing, and um, I'm just I'm just super excited to have something that I'm so proud of that is so um, that shines so directly from my heart. Yes, yes, yes. I relate to that utterly, and uh, have only had that experience. I guess one one pure version of that experience for me was this thing called Fortune Rookie that I did that was a that was you know like an IFC. You can see it online, but um, but like the most unadulterated joy of feeling like it was the most just sort of like no I wouldn't change anything and no one asked me to and you know that doesn't mean that it wasn't a collaborative process but um if there's something so giddy giddy about that about that particular type of project um and I and I I totally relate and it is not I mean I did I was gonna ask you you beat me to the punch about asking about the process and about the crayon because I was like I've never seen this like I've never for something that's so familiar, I had never seen it in that in that way, and I think that that's that says a lot. I mean, that's really cool. Yeah, and I I haven't seen any books illustrated in crayon myself, and I think um, even if you feel it, I think it's so interesting that even though it's now printed with ink, because of the texture of the crayon, the ink is textured in the same way, and oh, yeah. it feels like it was colored. Oh, absolutely, which is. Which was a crazy perk that I was not expecting to to follow all the way through to yeah. the printing process. That's great. No, it, and re- I it think, really does. You know, I think a lot of the reason why there's nothing in crayon is because uh, to do it properly requires a lot of time and, and extra care. But I was totally willing to put it in for the, the result yeah. that I wanted. That's and there great. are also no books that I can find besides this one that are in Spanglish. There are a lot of bilingual books where the line is in English and then the line is in Spanish again. And I think that was another part of like really wanting to just take the reins and and make it happen the way that I envisioned it because I did get a lot of, you know, advice um, from people who might have had funding for me who wanted me to do it uh, Spanish, English, Spanish, English. But not only for all of the many bilingual households or Spanglish speakers that I already know personally or know are in the world. There's something so fun to me about the integrated language Mm -hmm. that if you only speak English or you only speak Spanish, it's, I think, very easy to pick up the words from context in the the same way that like Dr. Seuss or J.K. Rowling or or Lewis Carroll throw in gibberish words but you know what they mean oh oh it's time for a quick break I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun Hi, I'm Renee Colbert. I'm Alexis Preston. And we're the hosts of the smash hit podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Now, Alexis. Yes. We got big news. Uh-oh. Since last we did a promo, our dogs have become famous. World famous. World, like, stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Second big news. Mm-hmm. The reviews are in. Mm-hmm. 
Take yourself to Apple Podcasts. You know what you're going to hear? We're happy. It's true. We're a delight, a great distraction from the world. I like that part a lot. So if that's what you guys are looking for, mm-hmm. you got to check out our show. But what else can they expect? We've got dog tech, dog news, celebrities with their dogs, all dog things. All the dog things. So if that interests you, well, get yourself on over to Maximum Fun every Tuesday. Okay, let's get into this mash game. This has been such a pleasure and a joy. Um, I I want to first give you the category of gosh, there's so many directions I could go with you because you have a lot of uh, a lot of likes and um, interests and enthusiasms. But I'm going to start with let's do give me three um, four, give me three animations. Uh, so it you know the the actual media ver- like television versus film versus something else um, mm-hmm. is not is not uh, a qualifier here. But three animated worlds that you that I'm, you're going to get the the opportunity to kind of jump into and just be in and enjoy and exist with the characters in whenever you want. Archer, great. Rick and Morty, great. And let me think of one that's marginally more wholesome, just in case. <laughs> uh, and the last unicorn. Ugh, what a tearjerker! I know. So good though. There's a. It's in, in Sherman Oaks. Somebody um, painted a last unicorn mural on a electrical box. Oh really? That would be very yeah. satisfying to come across. Very yep, satisfying. It, Surely was. Um, wonderful. Okay. Next category, let's do three. Mm, let's do three instruments that we are going to give you the opportunity to wake up uh, tomorrow and be uh, as accomplished as you would like to be, like virtuoso style or just proficient or whatever. But three instruments that you don't currently play that you would love to just suddenly be able to play. Uh, Barry saxophone. Great. French horn. Great. And Hammond organ. Wonderful. I wondered if you were going to stray away from the reeds. Um, I, I do actually play the saxophone, but Barry sax, which is my favorite sounding instrument, yeah. requires so much air. Oh my gosh, I bet. That I, I'd need like an extra long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's great because the next category is how many, an ec, you can have an extra organ. No. Um, Hooray. <laughs> it just it just worked out that way. Um, okay, next category. Let's do three artists in whatever way you choose to interpret that. Um, so whatever form their art takes. Three artists that you would love to, and living or dead, that you would love to be able to collaborate with in this kind of mash universe that we're building here for you. Jim Henson. Right. Mm, how about... Oscar Peterson. Who's Oscar Peterson? I'm embarrassed. Maybe I'll be Oscar, embarrassed. Not, uh, no, oh no no no! Uh, I don't I don't think it's embarrassing at all. But you should definitely know him. He's a jazz pianist who's just an an absolutely extraordinary musician. Wonderful. Jazz and you should great. yeah you should just put put his albums on uh, as soon as we're off the air. Writing it down. <laughs> writing it down. And, and and enjoy. And then tell me tell me what you think or tell me what your favorites are. Okay, great. And Mary Blair, 
who, if you don't know or if your listeners don't know, is uh, as a beautiful visual artist who created the concept artwork for a lot of Disney's most famous works like Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. And uh, and it's a small world. Her her concept art is gorgeous, and she also was working on some concept art with Duke Ellington. So that uh, that's a nice nice jazz animation no tie in. Kidding, that's extremely cool. Mary Blair, wonderful. Okay, uh, next category. Let us do three. <laughs> I'm really getting abstract now. This is maybe a little out of control. I, I like this it. is what the, I, it's not even fully formed but this is what this is what jumped into my brain I love I so I'm so attached to this idea of you starting the game as a cheerleader running over and quickly grabbing your drums and then mm-hmm. running back to cheerleading I want to create three other sort of like within the same world but different activities that like in the course of you know a few hours <laughs> so so abstract and also, like, probably hard to think of three different sets of these. But, like, you know, some version of that could be, you know, maybe you are still cheering, but then you go in and play the basketball game somehow and come back out. Or you're at a Broadway musical, and not only are you backstage stage managing, but you also, you know, jump out and do, like, a weird cameo. Like, some kind of, like, encased kind of um, hemisphere like you know some sort of biosphere of of creative or 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 athletic whatever you want to think moments that somehow you are you're in it in more than one way and we we imagine you scuttling around somehow making it happen is that like so stupid or can you do something with that uh so three pair of activities i mean you just really simplified it in a way that makes everything i said seem like the babblings of a mad woman but yes (laughs) Uh, well, okay, great. Yes, I can do something with that. I, cl- I understand you and uh, it might take a sec- second to think of it. Um, how about scuba diving and painting? Oh, I mean, I don't know how that works, but I'm excited to imagine a, a world in which you quickly scramble out of your scuba diving gear, paint something, and then dip back in. Maybe you're like, okay, up on the yacht, I have <laughs> this unfinished portrait of an octopus, and I need to go down and frolic with it to continue to go back, then I can go back up and like paint it. That's that's what I'm imagining here. I was, I was imagining some... Uh improved art technology by which i could actually paint underwater that's much better having having the octopus sit for me that's much better that's much better i change everything i say yes well i paint your portrait i mean however however it works yeah it would it would all be very satisfying fantastic uh let's do uh drumming and magician great or drumming and magic and what are what are some other good good favorites um and just for for light fun how about bartending and sewing great tell me where what environment you imagine that existing in i love it i feel like that might be you know how there's like a like beauty bar where you can like like get your nails done and have a cocktail i feel like it's like fashion bar like project runway meets bar rescue where you could like create create something really fun because like 
that, that's the thing when I do dress up I prefer to to wear something really unique and yeah. my normal you know jeans and t-shirt or jeans and flannel uniform is is really for uh, function yes. so that I can run run from thing to thing and climb a tree if I want and not have any of that any fashion get in in the way makes sense um, and and bartending I really enjoy well-crafted cocktails and I love bar environments like we play when it's not pandemic we play in a jazz trio at the varnish downtown nice in uh, in the back of Coles, and I, I really enjoy a tiki vibe yes um since bars have been closed my own bartending skills have increased substantially so i feel like there's an upside yeah, i could yeah i could open a or or collaborate in a in a fashion fun bartending extravaganza i love it um great 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 okay next category let's do three foods that in this reality are either you know so sugary you can't eat too much at once or so rare or so perhaps ecologically um uh inappropriate that you you could never just have them in perpetuity at the snap of your fingers with without any ramifications but in this reality that we're creating everything is of the same uh level of like harmlessness and you can have these three things at the snap of your finger as much as you want and nothing bad comes of it nothing bad comes of it okay that's good i like that i like nothing bad coming (laughs) coming of it how about uh bourbon great dark chocolate great and try i'm trying to also make sure i get a variety you know like i feel like now i need to think of something that's more in the more in the savory category Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, i like this i like this how about we'll, we'll just say marinara sauce? Oh, wonderful! I I really love tomatoes. I I eat a lot of tomatoes in general, but I feel like if I legitimately ate as much as I wanted, that I might just turn red. Yeah, or just you would just burn all the acid would just burn your entire body up. <laughs> <laughs> right, like you uh, just like dissolve. The end of- the end of Indiana Jones exactly. and the Last Crusade, where basically like, people no, melt into marinara sauce. Don't, don't drink that last Bloody Mary. Don't have that last lasagna. I've chosen poorly. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, wonderful. All right. Uh, next category, all due respect to your wonderful boyfriend, we are giving you this alternate universe mash version of some some romance here. Um, they can be cartoon characters, uh, characters from books, people, creatures, um, living or dead from any era. Uh, totally up to you. Three partners slash sexy time slash romantic uh, adventures. Ooh, I like that. Okay. How about um, James Bond? Great. Hmm. Let's go Indiana Jones. Great. Big, big, big Indiana Jones fan since since he's on my mind. Great, great, great. So, so sexy. Sexy adventuring professor. No Ugh. kidding. Um, and Josephine Baker. Wonderful. Great, great, great. Okay, uh, next category, poor Vu. Let's do three. <laughs> let's do three other animal species, and their three um, other 
sort of careers slash hobbies that you you we get to see married together and it, they exist in real life in this alternate universe that we're creating okay these are animals and their careers not unlike luteromites yeah great 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 i i suspected that might have been your inspiration i just wanted to make sure i had it right you got it so right okay uh weasel space ranger great octopus ninja amazing and cat psychiatrist fantastic okay great well this has been so fun because i really have been stretching into categories that um are very much brand new and when i say i customize a mash game to someone and the conversation i don't know that's ever been more true than than in this conversation so this has been very satisfying for me this is a a very epic mash very very i'm very excited to see where my life is i know oh my god there's so much here um okay and then final category is going to be three high like junior high or high school era activities slash clubs extracurricular or even just a class that you can sort of re-experience um with the person you are now um so if it is chess club or if it is you know mathletes or or cheerleading or whatever you can sort of dip back into it um but with with the knowledge you have now and as the person you are now and enjoy it as the person you are now now, do these have to be clubs or activities that I was officially in, or could nope. they have been some that I maybe missed out because of things not lining up nicely? Absolutely be- can be making up for that time that you missed. Right, because of trying to do too many things in one day. Sometimes there were things that I actually didn't didn't get to do. Oh, man. It turns out there aren't enough hours in a day. Did you know that? I did. <laughs> so frustrating. So frustrating. Uh Okay, I would, so I, and this this was actually early in college, but in um, a very unfortunate uh, time schedule, I was never able to officially take the Harlem Renaissance class oh, that was offered, yes. a, a history class that was offered um, at my college because it, it lined up with jazz band. Oh, man. So I was always in jazz band, um, and I did get to do all the reading and, and study on my own. It's one of my favorite um moments in history like super interesting to me but i never got to enjoy the the class discussion slash hear from the professorial experts about it so i would love to go back and do that gorgeous uh let's see let's let's jump jump back to back to the high school junior high times i would love to go back to I can't remember what it was called at our high school. It's whatever, like, the version of, like, student TV or AV club. Oh, sure, sure. Was. Great. Because that was another thing that I just, like, never really had enough time to delve into. And now I'm pretty knowledgeable. That's great. My f- and and, and, and um, characteristic of me, my first thought after you said that was, like, I guess we probably must have had one of those at my high school, <laughs> but I I don't know for sure. What a lame yeah, get, get in your get in your yearbooks and, and oh, I gotta see, dig through. See, see whose photo is pictured there in front of the um the cart with the television and the VCR on <laughs> That's it. That's right. I gotta get all that. Great oh, AV club, TV, love VCR it. VCR cart. Okay, uh, one more. What would I? Is there a sport I would have played? 
You know what? Actually, I think I would have been really good on the swim team. And the main reason why I never joined the swim team, because I'm a scuba diver, as I kind of kind of tiptoed around, and I've been swimming since before I could walk, but uh, being a woman is garbage sometimes, and I actually never joined the swim team because I didn't want to bother with my period and mm. swim competitions. Yep. But I think I would have been a really strong swimmer. That's great. I like that you tiptoed around the scuba diver thing like you thought I would be very sensitive about that. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> no, I, I just mean that we around it. <laughs> that, that, that we didn't talk about it, but that I mentioned it in a different category. For sure, for sure. I'm giving you a light tease is all. Um, okay, let me do my little mash squiggle. So I'm just going to start right now, and then you tell me when to oh, stop. Wait, wait. You know here's, what I mean? Here's the important question. Uh-oh. You're yes. going to you because because I've heard that. Uh, I think that this is true on the West Coast, that everybody on the West Coast does like the spiral. Oh, I don't tell you. Oh, because okay. But I, because be- I switch it up. Oh, Sometimes okay. I just ask someone over the phone to give me a number, but not with you. Not with you, Libby. Oh, man. So you, sometimes- you so whatever control you're trying to take of this portion <laughs> of the process, you're going to have to let it be a little bit more ephemeral and unknown. Okay, yeah. it's, it's less about control and more about survey for my future magic effect because I heard that in the Midwest they do dots. Ugh, no. Like oh, dots, in, oh, in the Midwest right? you do? I, I grew I mean, up, doing, that's I on grew the up doing the spiral. I think the spiral okay. to me feels the most classic. Okay, I feel that way too. But okay, I'm, I'm going to cede control and I'll just say stop after you no, say No, it's go. very kind of you to actually be asking a technical question and to have listened to me like go off on a diatribe about you being a control freak when really all you wanted to know <laughs> was how people play mash on the west coast and our well, first it's, fight it's important to know our the first rules fight. and it's also it's also sometimes important to give up control i'm sorry for <laughs> hanging you. on so tight bless you bless you okay tell me tell me when to stop stop okay just so you know, I did a spiral and I barely had made the first circle. So it's going to be a short trip. It's going to be very easy for me to do the eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Um, is there anything else that you would like to tell the wonderful listeners about uh, while I scribble this out? Otherwise, obviously, any um, awkward silence. Not that I need to uh, like give full concentration to this, but uh, that they should be yeah. checking out where they can find you and all that good stuff. Yeah, I would love to mention that you can find me at Sneaky Varmint all over the internet, uh, Instagram, Twitter. I play a Twitter game actually uh, with Devlin Wilder is my co-host for my Twitter game on Friday nights from 8 to 10, which is a hashtag game. I'm rarely on Facebook these days because the news got to be yeah. too much of a downer, but yeah. you could find me there. I'm just not there very often. Uh <laughs> And and my website is also Sneaky Varmint. So if you're if you're looking for me anywhere, then uh, Google Sneaky Varmint, and there I will be. Wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I have your results. Okay. I I feel sure that you'll be pleased. Uh, I certainly hope you will. Um, first of all, ooh, where do I start? I, sometimes I try to stitch these together into some sort of narrative, but this is going to be very challenging. Uh, I think okay. these were all very good options. Unlike a, a lot of the mash games, you know, you could end up uh, being like a 
a sewer dredger with yeah. a pet alligator and married to Donald Trump. Not Ooh. on my watch. I don't believe in <laughs> so, the. I don't believe in the I, nasty version of like. Adding I really appreciate. Awful. Yeah. No. Yeah. This this positive spin. Yeah. No way. Um. Okay. So I I want to first. I want you to just imagine yourself um, mm-hmm. fresh off of uh, just doing an outstanding job on the swim team, coming right out of the pool into a sort of a quick change for your duet slash show where you play the Hammond organ and you are uh, accompanied by slash uh, working in collaboration with Ms. Josephine Baker, who is also uh, your true love. Sounds really hot already. Yeah, I know. Um, I like it. <laughs> I got very smug just then. Uh, furthermore, I, I, I love the idea of like something in this house that you own which, by the way, uh, this is sort of your vacation home, and it's inside of Archer. So however you want to imagine the Archer version of, like, your kind of vacation getaway home. But I also like the idea of there being sort of a morphing happening where your house also has the influences of your dear friend and, and uh, collaborator Mary Blair. Like, what's her take on what your house inside of Archer is like? So that's, like, layer on layer of... Um, of animation style and innovation, but I, I think that's kind of exciting and sexy as well. What wow, do you think? Wow, yeah, what a, I think what a what a fabulously artistic. I mean, I practically would have to sell tickets to this museum of a home. This is what I'm thinking as well. Now, near the home, I don't know. Is it in our world? Is it inside of Archer? I can't decide. That's for you to know. Uh, but there is this fantastic bartending slash sewing club uh, that probably involves at some point you breaking away to do yet a third thing which again is to go over and play the organ um i like this I, I, it's hard for me not to imagine there being like a little organ nook um at this <laughs> at this place with very cool very unique clothing design opportunities as well as um uh enjoying a, a cocktail or two um I also want to congratulate you on the endless, listen, back up a truck and just let the marinara sauce flow because <laughs> you can have it forever without turning into a person melting in James, uh, in, in, in James Bond, really? Well, a little bit of melting maybe <laughs> sometimes happens there uh, in, Indian, yeah. in an Indiana Jones movie where they sort of become a puddle of marinara sauce at the end. Uh, you can, you do not have to worry about that. You have it in unlimited quantities, however you would like to enjoy it. And it's not even something that I think you need to worry about discussing with your cat psychiatrist. Oh, good. <laughs> So you guys can really focus on some of the other stuff, some of your other oh, issues, issues. Um, uh, because you have created a world in which they they do exist. And I'll tell you something else. If you could patent that already, I could tell you Japan is the first place you need to open up your first cat clinic. Um, oh, absolutely. Because Thank who doesn't want to sit and tell their problems to a, a cat uh, and then also somehow like get great advice and or medication? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, I think cat cat prescriptions (laughs) with the paw print on the bottom. Exactly. Um, Okay. That is, I think I've covered everything. Uh, I'm delighted by the outcome. I hope you feel the same. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's so epic. And uh, I have very much enjoyed this conversation. I've kept you for a very long time. Um, So thank you for your time. I feel we are friends. And I do hope that we get a chance to see each other in person in some sort of a disease-free environment. show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell and as always the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.